0: Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about how to hire and keep great people. With the help of special guest Mitch Gray of Mitch Gray Media in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co host, Steve Wheeler. Here is The Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. As we always do, we're asking you to send in ideas, questions, issues that you'd like to have on the show. It'll help me out a lot because sometimes the hardest thing to do is keep new content coming to you. So let me know if I can help out with that. Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. So here we go again, folks. We are on the hiring thing one more time. So trying to help you out there in podcast land, do a better job hiring, do a better job uh, building your team. Now, like a lot of you out there, I've tried hard to do all the right things when I was in business. I failed, and sometimes it worked. And I don't know if I could tell you why it worked and why it didn't work. And so what we're trying to do is bring some people in who may be able to tell us some of the keys that some of us have done kind of by accident, that it worked out really well. And then maybe we can look at some of the mishires that we made and see why it didn't work. Now, I don't know about the rest of the world or other industries very much, but I think the remodeling industry in general is pretty poor at hiring and retaining employees. We've seen a lot of attrition over the last couple of years. I think in some ways it's because most of these businesses were started by people who were carpenters that were you know, doing a business without even knowing it, and then they said, hey- This can be a business, but they don't have any business background. They don't have any human resource skills. Or maybe it's just because compared to other industries, we're kind of at our infancy in terms of um, organization and really doing it as a business business. And so there's a lot of reasons why we may be having trouble with this, but uh, hopefully we can address uh, some of those things. So there are people out there that spend a lot of time talking about this and discussing it. And we are trying to bring one of those on the program today. So Steve, let's you and me get a little smarter about hiring and retaining employees today. Let's go. All right.
0: Well, let's try it. So Mitch Gray is the president of Mitch Gray Media located in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mitch Gray Media was created in 2015, and over the past 20 years, Mitch has coached and worked with over 10,000 leaders and clients across the world. Welcome to the show, Mitch.
2: Hey, guys. Great to be here. Tim, I already love the threads that you're pulling and the (laughs) curiosity, and so let's get into it. I'm excited. So give us a little bit more about your business, Mitch. What do you do? And I guess...
1: One of the things I'm particularly interested in is how does it relate to the topic of the day, like hiring and retaining people.
2: Yeah, so I want to go back to something you mentioned, and that is you're you're bringing people on the show that can hopefully help your listeners <laughs> garner some wisdom, some strategy, and some real practical steps they can implement today. Well, I'll take today off because tomorrow's Thanksgiving. You're going to eat <laughs> a lot of food, so maybe on Monday, right? On Monday, yep. uh, when when we're recording this, it's yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I've been there, um, 20, over 20 years ago, um, I was in my early twenties and, uh, was with a high fashion retail company. Um, I'd gotten out of, out of college, um, and I was just burned out from school. I was, my dream was to go into ministry. I'm a former pastor. So I was burned out from that and I just needed to provide for my family. Six months later, I find myself running a multi-million dollar store. I got promoted that quickly. That was great. The problem with that is exactly what you just said a few minutes ago. I found myself in a position that I had raw ability, kind of innate leadership skill, but I'd never hired. I'd never fired. I had never recruited. I had never trained someone really. And so after the first year, I normally ran at that store about a team of 12 to 20, depending on the time of year. After that first year, I handed out over 150 tax forms. I think about that for a second, (laughs) a team of 12 to 20. And I handed out over 150. That's how many people I went through. And so what I learned through the frustration, through getting lucky sometimes, like you mentioned, through burning bridges. What I knew in my heart of hearts was all of this, business, family, work, everything is about relationships. Mm. And so I began a quest at 22 years old to take my heart for relationships and apply that in the marketplace to building teams. Now, Fast forward 20-something years later, what I heard echoing in the marketplace, industry-wide, is we can't find people, right? The pandemic of 2019, 2020 hits and that magnified that message. Amp. now we really can't find people because what happened during the pandemic is the voice and power of the employee came back and employees started waking up and going, hold on, I don't need a crappy job and I don't have to work for a crappy leader. I can take my life into my own hands. Now that's a whole different conversation for another day. Right. But that was the reality of the last few years. And so I had already dreamed up the book, How to Hire Keep Great People. The pandemic amplified that. And so when we finished the book, the first chapter in the book is everything is spiritual. And what I mean by that is everything is connected. There are no compartmentalizations in life. We can try our best to do that. But when we have employees or when we run a business, owning or managing or whatever, that impacts our everyday life. Right. You know, there's data that shows us that of someone's life is usually spent at work. (laughs) So as leaders, we want to get it right, not only for ourselves and our families, but for the people working with us. And that begins with getting clear on who we recruit, why we need them, et cetera, et cetera. We'll dig into that. But that was the genesis for what I've done the last four or five years It's the genesis for the book. It's the genesis for the course we have because my bottom line mantra in life has been for, since I was a teenager, actually, I created this mantra. So 30
1: years (laughs) to
2: help, to help people live deeper, more meaningful lives. And we can do that through hiring the right people for our work. So now how many
1: teenagers do you know that have a mantra? So let's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with that one. So Mitch is pretty exceptional in, in, in that way, I think. So a lot of our listeners are in the remodeling industry and no matter where I go people seem to think that the remodeling business is different than every mm. other business in the world. In other words, nobody else has the problems I have and nobody else, you know, has clients like like we have and nobody else has to balance vendors and other, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And certainly, we feel like we're the only ones that are having a hiring problem at this point in the world. And so what are some of the commonalities that you see across all businesses, particularly as challenges in the hiring process or um, related to that?
2: First of all, I want to say, um, you know, that listeners are not alone. Yeah. <laughs> we, we our, our truths are shaped by our own experience and perception. Right. And so when you're feeling something that becomes your truth and your truth kind of becomes like I'm the only one in the universe with this issue. So right. I want to tell you, you're not alone. I was on a podcast last week with an HR person, same complaints, same issues. <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, I was on a podcast with uh, uh, they're in the uh, marketing industry. In England, so across from you know, the United right. States, across the pond, same complaints, same issues. So you're not alone. Um, right. Everyone's having, every, well, I will say, everyone believed, and I want to emphasize that word, that they are having the same problem. And I emphasize that word because back in the 70s and 80s, there was an incredible influencer and leadership uh, speaker. His name was Zig Ziglar. And my dad raised me on Zig Ziglar. Zig (laughs) Ziglar used to say, if you think you're right or you think you are wrong, if you think you can or you think you can't, you are correct. Right, right. And I want leaders to really get that that is true when it comes to recruiting and hiring. Everyone experiences whatever they believe they are going to experience. And so when leaders tell me, and and by the way, I I don't have any clients that are in the remodeling industry, but I have a few friends that are. So we have these conversations often. Mitch, we can't find people to show up to the job. Mitch, we can't find people who are skilled in what we need. Mitch, we can't find you know people that can deal with clients, et cetera, et cetera. When we realized, Tim, that everything is based on human behavior, it changes the game. And here's where that begins. Okay. Every single every single person walking the earth is looking to feel valued. They're looking to feel empowered and they're seeking a community larger than themselves. They want to go to bed at night knowing I did something that's bigger than just me. When we can really peel this back to those three greatest needs that every human has, it then begins to help us realize I can find the right people. It may take some work. But that's just it. That's okay. When I get intentional about my hiring and recruiting efforts, I then begin finding people who will have passion about what we're doing. And guess what? All these complaints we have about not showing up and not be dependable, take care of themselves because passion fuels appearance. Fashion, uh, passion fuels energy and presence. And so it really becomes this intentional game of, I'm going to know with clarity who I want, why I need them and give them value, purpose and meaning all the way from the small task of punching in the nails on the floor to actually dealing with clients and getting the million dollar sales. Everyone understands their greater purpose and how that task brings value. When I can do that, it then changes the game completely.
1: Mm, We're going to have to get into this a little deeper because uh, uh, that that's like like looking at the moon to me, you know, and that's not a hammer and a nail. That's not a two by four or even that's not even a set of plans, if you will. That's that's a little bit up here. So let's investigate this a little bit. Um, How do you uh, help somebody understand, like, let's just say it's a carpenter. Now, you may not have a lot of experience with them, but, you know, you can kind of imagine that role within a company. How do you get them to experience value, empowerment, and like they're part of something bigger than themselves.
2: One question makes it really, really simple. Why is this task or job important to the greater good? In other words, if we have a blueprint and our task is to build a house Yep. Why is the smallest act important to ensuring that we build the best house possible? That's okay. the question. And when I can ask myself that, if I am the leader of that project or the owner of that company, and with every task and job description, I literally write out, this is why that is valuable. But I don't stop there. That's where people make the mistake. Usually, what happens in the entrepreneurial world is entrepreneur, and you alluded to this early, earlier, entrepreneur has an idea, dream, passion. It turns into a business, but they forget to communicate that ideal, dream, passion to everyone else around them. Okay. And that's where the disconnect often takes place. And so then all they're doing is trying to hire robots to co- complete a task. And they're getting frustrated because the robots aren't showing up as he, you know, as said leader wants them to. And so then it just starts creating this chaos and turmoil and said leader doesn't have clarity on why we need these things done and what value they bring. So let's go back to the carpenter, Mr. Carpenter or Mrs. Carpenter. This is why this job has to be done to our best ability. Because these people are going to have customers coming into this place of business. And they have a certain reputation and a certain uh, energy that they want to portray to their clients. And we want to know we've done a great job. I want you to know you've done a great job. And when we can lend that passion to the people around us, it does two things. If we make a bad hire, high passion pushes bad hires out the door really quickly. Okay. When we make a great hire, high passion increases performance because high aptitude people want to be around high energy situations. They thrive on it. Conversely, if if our passion isn't portrayed correctly and communicated properly, when we luck out and make a great hire, that lack of communication pushes great people out the door really quickly because great aptitude people don't have time for incompetence.
0: Canvas's new measurement report gives you everything you need to estimate and quote a remodel, all with a few minutes of scanning a home. You'll get a detailed floor plan, along with information like floor and wall area, and the number and sizes of windows and doors, with none of the tedious measuring. Try Canvas for free. Download it at www.canvas.io and use promo code RA22. All right. So how do you convey this? How do you
1: convey this passion uh, to your team? In other words, I think a yes. lot of employees of companies, and this is probably true, universal, they look at the only passion that the owner really has is making a lot of money and retiring wealthy and driving nice cars and some hobby that they enjoy. And that's that might be the only thing they see or the only yeah. thing they perceive, I think. And so what- right how How would a business owner convey this passion uh to the employees and help i mean I mean you're coming across very passionate I think that's your personality, something you've developed yes. not all construction right. company owners have that personality right. that can pull people along with them and so what what are some of the things that a manager or an owner could do that would help
2: convey this passion, and get people working with him on it. Three easy steps that, again, whatever day of the week this releases, people can put this into practice immediately. Number one, show up. What do I mean by that? Work alongside the people you're asking to work with you. So what that looks like is if, if your role in your company is more about client relations and in the office get out of the office one day a week. I would put it that high of a standard and I'm going to go on the project site and I'm going to, now I'm going to, I'm going to communicate this very simply just for our example. I know this isn't necessarily the real world case, but I'm going to get out one day a week, pick up a freaking hammer and go (laughs) stamp us. You know what I mean? Get out and get your hands dirty. And that's industry wide. That's not just in the business of your listeners. Oftentimes, the disconnect appears because the people don't know the leader. They've never seen them in action. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to actually get out, show up, work alongside those people. Number two, communicate your passion often and consistently. This is not just a one-time rah-rah meeting where a leader gains some courage. You know, oftentimes leaders are like, I don't want to have a team meeting because I don't like public speaking, or (laughs) I don't really do it often and consistently. And it can be very subtle. It can be simply going up to someone and saying, hey, Steve, thanks for showing up today. Uh, I have a quick story before I get to the third action step. And that is early on in my management career, I learned the art of saying thank you. Right. And one day I walked up to one of my employees and I said, hey, thanks for showing up today. And they were like, huh? I, have to, I have to come to work. And I said, no, you don't. You made a choice to roll out of bed, to get dressed in dress code, to comb your hair and thankfully brush your teeth, <laughs> to show up on time. So thank you. And I think yeah. what happens is far too often we, we practice assumptive leadership. In other words, we assume people are going to show up rather than right. uh, practicing grateful leadership. So show up and, and be present, work alongside them. And then from there, communicate that passion often and consistently. And then I just alluded to my third action step, and that is every single day, thank your people for doing a great job. There is data psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually for decades that shows us gratitude fuels great effort. And I don't care if you consider yourself a public speaker or not. I don't care if you're listening to this and going, man, that bitch guy, I could never have his passion. You can show up. You can, you can communicate consistently and often, and you can say thank you. Those are very simple tasks. And t- by the way, journal, journal the responses. And I can almost guarantee you the performance is going to change in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when
1: I go into companies and work with them uh, to do consulting. I interview all the staff. And it's quite often that in a, an older company, the carpenters and the project managers who are actually working on site will, will say something like, I don't think Bill's ever built anything. Yep. And, and Bill was the only one building things 25 years ago, right. and he's built a lot of things, but they don't know this. They don't right. experience that. They don't see that passion now again, it might be hard for Bill to go out every day and and build things yeah. because he's got to run a company. But I but I I, I hear what you're saying on that. I think that's a, a a really good point. And the thank you point is something that you just yes. again. My experience is, you know, I talk to these carpenters and project. And they say, man, every time Bill comes out, he finds the problems, and all he shows yep. us is what the problems yep. are. He doesn't ever tell us, you know, good stuff. And so uh, saying thank you is a is a huge
2: part of this thing. To follow up on that really quickly, Tim, that is what I call the power of the story, and there's something to be said for always, always reminding people of the power of your story. I like to call it call it your genesis, your beginning. And so, when we can make that a part of our culture, that Bill in that scenario is going to go out and work, and when he goes out and works ever so often, he actually earns the trust of the people around him. And so, when he earns that trust. He can now share the power of the genesis of that company. Now all of a sudden we flip the culture really quickly, and that's what's crazy. Is within thirty days that scenario could be a totally different scenario. If Bill got out, showed up, said thank you, and then asked to share why that place began the way it began, and that's a very powerful thing.
1: Yeah. So my apologies to all the people listening named Bill. I I wasn't thinking of you (laughs) specifically. Just that just the name that happened to pop into my head. So what are some things that You can share with us that might help us, I mean, do a better job right away hiring. Maybe just some simple tips that would say, you know, to find the right person or bring the right person
2: in. What might be some simple, simple tips? Can I make it as simple as possible? Number one, sit down by yourself or with your leadership team and create what I call your perfect team member persona. So create the person that would be your all star employee. Uh, what their what their personality is, what their work ethic is, what their aptitude is, maybe uh, their skill level potentially, but I wouldn't focus so much on skill yet because I can buy and teach skill. What I can't teach is aptitude, energy, personality, and presence. And so really focus on those four elements. And then from there, you're going to ask yourself the question, where do these people exist? Can I go to a local educational, higher a higher educational place? And can I go start recruiting there? Can I ask if I can go to my local community college to the shop class and and speak once a semester? Can I find local uh, community groups, civic organizations that are focused on your industry? Can I find great people there? So once you have clarity, you're now not shooting in the dark any longer. You're not using the strategy of gambling when it comes to hiring. You know who you need, aptitude, intelligence, personality, energy, presence. You know that. Now you're just simply going to find where those people exist. And then you're going to go speak. You're going to go visit. You're going to go meet those people. And then you ask one question. Hey, Tim, you seem like a great person. Are you looking for a new opportunity? Because if you are, I'd love to have a, a conversation. It's, it's, and if people would do that 10 times a week, it doesn't take much. But if they would ask that question, ask that question to your best clients. Hey, does anyone know anyone? You've worked with us. You like our experience. Do you know anyone that might be looking for an opportunity? Ask your best employees. Hey, do you know anyone? Birds of a feather flock together. So find the flock and gather the birds. Now, the issue is and I just had a client recently. We started working on this. We flipped their culture in one location, struggled with another location. But about a few months later, the client's like, man, this isn't working. And I said, okay, how many how many minutes a week are you spending recruiting? None. Right. How many team meetings are you having to develop your leaders? Zero. Okay. It's not working. You're correct, but it's not working (laughs) because you're not trying. And so the question leaders have to ask is how much do they actually value hiring the right people? That's the question. Their actions will tell that out. So what
1: I hear you saying is go find the people. Don't wait for the Somebody to come
2: to you 100 percent. Let me ask you a question, Tim. If you're building a business and any business leader listening to this, would you just sit in your living room and go on building a business that people (laughs) will show up and stay? Right. Right. The answer is no. Everyone knows that it's the same when it comes to, you know, gathering the right people, right clients, right, right employees. It's no different.
1: So I I just want to clarify one other thing, too, because uh, within the Remodelers Advantage community, we use the uh, DISC profiles a lot for helping to identify attributes and observable behaviors and things like that. So when you're talking about developing the perfect team member persona, I'm assuming that it is not simply a personality test as much Correct. as it is an a, a whole ball of wax. And so it isn't just a matter of sitting down and saying, the perfect person has this disk. But they might have this disc, but yes. it also
2: is this type of person. Is that is that right? Yeah. So let me take it even a step further for those listening that want to really dig into this. Let's say you have a team of 30 people. You cannot exist successfully if all 30 people have the same personality. Right. It will implode quicker than you can put them together. So you have to begin asking yourself the questions. You know, if we're really focused in the last couple of years, thankfully, this has been an emphasis, diversity and inclusion. Look across the table. You know, Are you diversified? Are you representing all of your client base? You know, whether it's gender, ethnicity or whatever. So that's one element. Another element would be, hey, I've got a team of 30 and 20 of them are really outgoing. Man, we may need to bring some more introverted people in to balance out this system. I may have five really good idealists on the team and want a couple of more. And so what you're doing is you're really getting deeper into the fabric of your culture. And that's something we haven't talked about yet today and may not. But that is another piece of this that that really links is when we begin digging deep into the fabric of our culture, that's why it matters who sits at the table. That's why this has to be intentional. And if anyone is dealing with the chaos of, losing people, turnstile employees, not having dependable people. It really becomes the idea of, are we intentional with the design of our team and the design of our presence as a company?
0: Mitch, are you saying, cause I was just about to ask the question about company culture. And a lot of times that's top down from, from yeah. the owner leader themselves. Are you saying that there needs to be some reverse engineering before people start to putting in the show, you know, showing up, the communicating, the passion, the gratitude, do they need to clean up some things before they can get into this? Or, you know, can you plug it in and, it, and it'll and it have tentacles throughout? What's the process?
2: You better have pretty stable culture before you begin designing the rest of this. And so that becomes a really kind of cart before the horse in a way, though. Because we're also talking to business leaders who have an existing organization. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes really taking inventory of, you know, how do we want to represent? What do we truly believe in? What's our larger vision? How do we want to present ourselves in the world to our clients? And those become the questions of culture. And so you can, while you're moving forward, put some effort into kind of stripping that back. Because if you're just finding yourself in complete chaos and just it's, it's a consistent, frustrating phase then you're better off pausing, pulling back a little, relaying the foundation, let's keep the with the remodeling. You know, it's <laughs> like if you find out you have a crack in the foundation and you've already built two stories, well you better stop because you know going forward it's not going to end well. So right. it's the same idea. Yeah, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Let's find out what's under the hood. Let's really dig deep into that and then move forward. And oftentimes what happens cuz This is the question you get. Well, what if I pause my business for, you know, say two months to really take inventory? What I can tell you is if you take that inventory properly and align yourself with the right people, you will make up that two months quicker than you ever would have before. And just a
0: a quick follow-up because I've had to, you said, uh, you know, one thing I've always said is attitude and aptitude is my primary go-to for hiring. And I've had employees that were so highly skilled that you know but but the attitude wasn't necessarily there. and then I had some with total attitude, but you know they they may not pick up things fast enough. so right. um you know but but you'll find a position for the person with the attitude is, yes. is what I think. So um what is the damage in terms of because highly skilled people are valuable? And that's what we're looking for in construction a lot of times. But, you know, what, what do you look for to say, you know, take a pause on hiring this person with the most skills?
2: Um, so, I, and I understand, especially there are industries that you often need highly skilled people, but I still firmly believe I can buy skill, I can teach skill, I can buy certifications I can buy education. So in in my perspective, I never put the things I can buy and teach above what I call the presence of a person. So if someone is highly skilled, but doesn't have the right attitude or aptitude, never hire that person unless, let's say you are in a bind. Let's just say you've got a project, you've got to finish. Then you hire that person on an incredibly limited timeline, like a temporary situation. It never pays off. Ever pays off when you lower your priority of aptitude and attitude and get the wrong person. I don't care how highly skilled, but they will do more damage than they will ever do have success. And so, you know, let's let's say it's a lower end situation where I don't need like an engineer. I just need someone kind of more manual labor. Man, if I hire the right aptitude, attitude person, and passion, they're going to be willing to learn anything because that's just that's just kind of how they're motivated. So I, oh, and, and by the way, when we're creating our perfect team member persona, prioritize those things. And that's where you see the mistakes in job descriptions often. How many times have you read a job description and they ask for a high aptitude person? Never. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, it's obvious, and it's like you're missing the point of hiring the right people. All this skill, all these diplomas, all these certifications, I can buy all of that stuff. If I get the right person on the job in six months, they may become my best carpenter. And they may stay with me for 20 years. So are you willing to exchange six months for 20 with the right person. I think anybody would take that any day of the week. All right. So
1: we will do another podcast if Mitch is willing <laughs> to come back. Because the way, the way this conversation is going, my brain is, I'm I'm done with my questions <laughs> I had written down. And my brain's going like, I got to ask this. But here, here's one of the things that I run into, Mitch. And you were talking about culture and having the right culture. I run not all the time but fairly often I run into when you talk to the owner of the company and maybe some of the management it's a great culture it's such a fantastic culture we do this we do that we do this we do that but when you sit with the rank and file you know the 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 folks in our world the project managers carpenters laborers truck drivers things like that they're not so sure they're not convinced and so how do you how does a business owner slash a manager, maybe a production manager or something, really find out, like, what is the real culture around here that we may
2: need to, to operate on, so to speak? Yeah. First of all, when leaders can tell me what all they're doing for culture, it's a red flag. I'm like, you have no clue. That's what I, I don't tell them that usually. Okay. Sometimes I do. Okay. But in my head, <laughs> um, I, I, another way that I measure uh, finding out really quickly about culture is similar to what you're talking about. I'll go to the people that are in that company and say, in 10 words or less, define your culture to me. Okay. I even go to clients and customers of that organization, and 10 words or less define that culture to me. The companies that have amazing culture, they have done such a great job at communicating that consistently that everyone who engages that organization understands without any doubt in few words or less what they experience in that opportunity. It could sound that like things like, you know, last Christmas, my family was hurting and the owner of the company came and brought us dinner it could look like things like every time I go to a different location, I get the same experience every single time. And it's amazing. You know, AKA we hear of companies like Chick-fil-A, et cetera, that it's just, they've done such an, you know, wherever you're at on Chick-fil-A it's, it's incredible what they've done with their culture and that matters. And so the first step that I love to really encourage leaders to do is to gather your people at the table And just simply get honest, open, and vulnerable and say, hey, what does everyone think about our culture? Now, the kicker to that is you have to have already earned the trust of those people. And the mistake many leaders make is, well, Tim, you work for me, so you trust me. No, 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 no. (laughs) As a leader, I need to be earning your trust every single day through compassion and empathy and connection and intention. And so when you've done that as a leader, now you can ask the people to be vulnerable and open and they will quit. I have a saying that I love. Everyone is telling you a story. And within that story is a truth. The question is, are you paying attention to that truth? Right. And so what does that look like? It looks like Sam, who used to be on time now being 10 minutes late ever so often. What does that look like? It looks like Sarah, who was one of our greatest uh, salespeople, is now kind of lower on herself this, this uh, six months and quarter. What's happening there? And so when we listen to that truth intentionally, we can now make a connection to go, hey, Sarah, can you tell me what's happening right now? Well, I don't really believe in what we're doing. Oh, my gosh. And then I don't blame Sarah. Who do I blame? <laughs> right. I look in the mirror. And so to me, that's an easy way to begin practicing that now. Ask and listen. And then take action.
1: Yeah, that's so that's so great. Um, we had a great episode on listening, and we're gonna do another that's- one that just ties right into that. And so we're not gonna awesome. go down that road anymore. So um, we're gonna we're getting really short on time for this podcast, yeah. although I think our listeners are gonna be more than willing to hang on. But I just wanted you to hit, and it might go back to your value empowerment. And the community. But w- what are the like the the keys to
2: actually keeping somebody once you've got them? Yeah, it, it is about value. OK, um, you know, the, the people often leave a job and take a different one because of money. But that's really not telling us the story. When you get down to it, they're usually leaving because they're not they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel the value. It's so amazing in life how many people I've met who are working a job they love for much less money than they could make somewhere else. Right. Because at the end of the day, what did we say? People want to feel valued. They want to feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves. But really more importantly than that, I believe that it's the desire of every human that when I go to bed at night, I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel good. Mm -hmm. And the way that's related to money is if I can take care of myself, my family, those around me and enjoy my work, then I feel good. And so to make it as simple as possible, help your people feel good. If you can help your people feel good, they'll stay and they'll do a great job. Oh, that's really cool. All right. So you
1: mentioned a book and I want to make sure we gave you an opportunity just to tell everybody about the book and how how people can get a hold of it if they're interested
2: how to hire and keep great people available anywhere you buy books. And the last 20 minutes has told you about it. <laughs> All this, the, the majority of this stuff is in it. And you can also check out my website, MitchGrayMedia.com. We've got some cool free tools and some other things there. And um, I actually have a podcast as well, The Mitch Gray Show. We cover a lot of these similar topics also.
1: This has been fantastic, Mitch. And I, I honest, I really want to have you back. We'll talk about that offline. And uh, maybe we'll approach the whole idea of the fabric of culture and just get a little deeper into that culture thing because that is a hot topic. And I think it's something that's really, really critical. So thank you so much for being with us and we'll see you again another time.
0: Thank you. Thanks, take care. Well, Tim, this has been really fantastic. Um, I mean, there's so many things to cover. I, I love just the overall principles that that Mitch brought. And it's it's things that I think are oftentimes overlooked and just not talked about in remodeling, in construction. What what has stood out to you today?
1: So I think I I think I jumped in there on a couple of things that I thought were really critical. You know, I've been telling people, look, you got to get out and and look for the people yourself. Do not wait for them to come. Mitch, you know, gave us some really good uh insight into that, some really good points on on going and, and, you know, that I love that idea of the perfect persona because, you know, like I said, in the, in the podcast, we rely on disc quite a bit and, and yet maybe that's a little bit short-sighted. Maybe there needs to be more to that persona than just what's their personality from a profile standpoint. I, I, I meant to ask uh, Mitch in the middle of it. You know, there's a couple of great books out, one by a guy named Ed D. C. that's about what motivates you. And his main points are value, empowerment, and commitment to something bigger than yourself. And these things just seem to keep coming back again. And it just seems like business owners, production managers really need to connect and find out like, how do I... How do I get that to my employees? Because that's going to keep them. That's going to keep them there and make the business successful over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, and one thing, and I think uh, Mitch mentioned this word, but the word that just stands out to me in this entire podcast is intention. And you know, when you are setting a budget, you know, sketching a blueprint, and setting up your uh, perfect team persona. You have something that you, you have the end goal. You have something that you right. want to get to and build to. So you'll know it when it's there, you know? And so I think people are like, well, you just get to so many different people and personalities and, and that's great, but it's got to fit within that, you know, intention of, of creating a culture, but also creating people, um, creating employees that stay with the company.
1: Yeah. So there was one other thing I want to mention it went by pretty fast, but it's something that I've been telling people I'm not always as good at it as I'd like to be. But this whole idea is that if you don't believe you can, you won't. And it it goes right along with you know our tagline of, you know what, forget that it is what it is. It is what we make it is more proper. But this whole idea of saying, we keep saying, and, and folks out there, your words become reality. When you keep saying we can't find people, it will eventually convince that little brain you've got in your head that you're not ever going to find people and you will stop. And so we have to stop saying we can't find people. We have to start saying, where are they? You know, I know they're there. Where are they? And then maybe our brains will be convinced (laughs) and we'll actually get out there and find those people.
0: Yeah. And that's a cheap plug for a previous show we've had about removing certain words from our vocabulary. (laughs) That's right. That's
1: That's right. right.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, this has been fantastic. We want to thank Mitch Gray for joining us today. And we want to thank all of you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show.
1: And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary.
0: This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.